Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 148. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here every single week, and I go by the name Alexander Holland. And as always, I'm sat da 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 digitally next to my number one Prince of Podcasting down there in Melbourne, Australia, as I come to you live and direct from Berlin. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. And John Maloney, I thought I could start off the show this week yep. with a real fun and funny light bit. Great. And that is, I thought I could talk to you about the top five regrets <laughs> of the dying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Straight I'm, into- I'm laughing already. <laughs> <laughs> have you come across these lists the in the past? Have you come across the dying? Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> Has anyone that you loved ever died, John? <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Um, I have come across those lists and, you know, usually it's the sort of sentimental crap that if people came to their senses, they would realise they were just saying because they were unwell and it's of no, <laughs> it's of no instructive value to me at all. You can't apply it to yeah. your own life. I'm just like, well, yeah, I mean, that all sounds great if you're filming a Hallmark special, but I'm trying to grind here. <laughs> <laughs> <I haven't... laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when you're not in palliative care, you've got to be mm. grinding. Exactly. It's yeah, all well I mean, and good for people in palliative care to be coming up with this bullshit. But... <laughs> That's right. What? Just think how much worse you're aged care facility would be if you hadn't spent all those hours chained to your desk. Yeah, exactly. You'd be <laughs> people are saying this in the most luxurious palliative care facilities that they can afford because yeah. they worked hard all life as they were supposed to. But I've seen these lists popping up. They're gr- I mean it's such good social media fodder because mm. it's so captivating. It pops up and you go, "Tell me Tell me what I should be focused on in life yeah. because I'm sure I'm focusing on the wrong things. You're at the end of your life. Mm. It was famously, uh, I don't have a name at hand, but there's an Australian palliative care nurse who mm-hmm. wrote a book and I think it's called The Five Top Five Regrets of the Dying uh-huh. and they get trotted out here and there. Yeah. And so I thought we could go through them and you could go, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> or you can go, no, no, I won't see that. The dying are wrong there. The Dying, John John Maloney's new book, The, the dying, dying Are Wrong. wrong. Top five John, mistakes John. of the dying. <laughs> John oh, was yeah. also a palliative care nurse, but yeah. his book is just called The Top Five Mistakes <laughs> of the The Dying Are Wrong, mm. Top Five Mistakes of the Dying. Nurse-splaining dying to the dying. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. So, <clears throat> so John... These are the top five. <clears throat> I'm going to just do that again. So, John, these are the top five regrets of the dying, and the last one feels illegal to know, and you can't change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's real. Uh, that's that's proper real. It's just bait natural. There. Yeah, that's just natural. That just came off the cuff. <laughs> it's just straight up. That's how I talk now. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've started doing that in my everyday life and people are like, mm-hmm. can you stop? Can you just stop curiosity gapping us and have a normal can conversation? Stop, can you stop hooking and curiosity gapping me, please? <laughs> every time I speak to John Maloney, he ends every sentence with, and you can't change my mind. I also love how I love, how I, I love that using it here because... Like this, um, you know, it's presumably based on some kind of data or like the yeah. top five regrets of the dying, and yeah. you can't change my mind. Like, <laughs> like it's not really my play. It? It's not my. On what basis? <laughs> I've got competing data. From other <laughs> gonna, I I have a competing list with you. Let me bring out my list so we can debate whether or not they are the top five. Yeah. So. Uh, so we're starting in with number five, top five regrets of the dying. Number mm-hmm. five, a lot of people in palliative care who come in at the end of their life said, I wish I'd simped way harder on Twitch for paddling Paul E-Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one particularly, that was particularly the older men mm-hmm. in the facility. Yeah. They just said, oh, you know what? I spent a lot of time outside, <laughs> yeah. re, re, just enjoying nature. And yeah. now, as I come, now as I reach the pearly gates, mm. I spend. I'm spending more time on Twitch. I'm having a great time on there, and I wish I'd <laughs> seemed way harder for paddling pool e girls. Mm, I spent so much time with my spouse and children, and I forgot about the parasocial relationships in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd spent. More time and money on and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially the films from Phase 4 through 6, which are collectively known as the Multiverse Saga. Yeah. And once again, I mean, some of these older people were probably forced to sit through the, the 70s cinematic era where you had films like taxi driver mm. they probably had to watch chinatown and just yeah. oh my god citizen kane you know these would be citizen kane people yeah. imagine Godfather. having to watch citizen kane when you could watch the marvels exactly come on yeah that's now you say, can imagine that regret. i sat there bored out of my brain watching apocalypse now which was just <laughs> crowd-pleasing trash and now i get to watch aquaman versus the ant <laughs> Uh, in the Predator universe. <laughs> and if I'd only, if I, uh, you know, apparently there's 33 of those movies. I looked it up. So from the Disney Marvel uh, Cinematic 33. Universe. There's 33. And the, wow. f- the first one came out in 2008. So that's Iron Man is the first Disney one, Marvel Cinematic Universe. One for every year of Christ's life. I mean, surely yeah. that didn't escape you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Uh, they asked uh, the number three yep. top five regrets of the dying. And some uh, people said, uh, for real, for real, though, I'm low-key shook and salty that I'm dying right now. Big yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big, co- it was a common one. They all said the same phrase. Yeah. For real, for, for real, for real, for real, though. I'm low-key shook and salty that I'm dying right now. Big yikes. <laughs> Big yikes. And the nurse said, you so real for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> With her hand on the shoulder of the dying, you so real for saying that. <laughs> uh, number two is just very general. I wish I'd spent more time looking at my phone screen. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd spent... 
I wish I, I'd opened the statistics of phone use at the end of the day and seen yeah. that I'd done 700 screen unlocks mm. that day. And just there was a general sense that people hadn't spent enough time doom scrolling. Yeah, I guess I get doom that. scrolling. I mean, it's, I already feel like, um, you know, some people, they look at the books on their shelf and they think maybe I'll never even finish all these books. And I think, mate, look at your hand. Look what's in your hand. Think about <laughs> the size of the information pool on the internet. You never even scratch the surface. You better get scrolling. <laughs> get, better get scrolling. <laughs> that was number two. Yeah. Regret. Keep scrolling, scrolling, time. scrolling, scrolling. That's Scroll. my motto. I'm going to keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. But keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. But. <laughs> and number one, regrets of... I'm <laughs> doing this with a very sunny disposition. Mm. Num the John, the number one regret <laughs> of the dying. Of the desperately ill. Of the desperately <laughs> ill. Uh, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Oh, wow. Let's change, so, let's change gears. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw the actual real one in yeah. as the last one. Yeah. I wish I'd had the courage to live true to myself, not the lives others expected of me. Mm. I, I mean, because I, ha I don't actually have the real ones on hand. I don't know if I can apply. I don't know if I can apply that. Whenever I hear this thing, yeah. whenever I hear the one about, maybe it's because I'm not living the life that others, others expected of me, or maybe it's because I'm very fortunate and I didn't really have a lot of expectations placed on me by my family. They were very happy to let me do my own thing. Yeah. Do you feel that pressure? Do you feel like, do you feel like other ex people expect things of you and you're not having the courage? Yeah. Or do you have the courage to live the life that people didn't expect? It? People no, expect I don't. It, don't expect it. I don't have the courage. I don't have any <laughs> courage. Um, no, I, I mean, look, I feel I like. I don't want to do this bit anymore. Yeah, exactly. Turn the machines off. <laughs> I, um, I do feel as though, you know, I kind of, I mean, sometimes I've reflected on the fact that when we were younger, well, now my brother, my older brother, Tom, he's a journalist which he loves mm. and which I really admire. But for a time there, we were respectively doctor, lawyer and banker and that did make me think <laughs> we haven't really gone outside the box here. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I do like the fact that I've, in the last couple of years, I've taken my foot off the pedal a little bit in terms of those aspects, those kind of professional ambition aspects of my life in preference to just kind of meandering and enjoying things like this. And uh, mm. I can thoroughly recommend that. However, I think if I had done that too early in life, I don't know, I would have been a bit of a just, you know, I would have been in my 40s and not gone to uni and I would have probably panicked. And uh, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe my dad was right all along. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll find out when I'm in palliative care. <laughs> <laughs> the the real ones are number so number five is i i don't know how that, i mean maybe i should read this book but i don't find just reading these i, I yeah. struggle to think that i can apply these 
I wish that I'd let myself be happier is number five. Number four is I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I've stayed in touch with, with my friends. I'm good yeah, at that. I wish well. I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Mm. I can maybe do that slightly more. I yeah. could get angrier on the podcast and yeah. more, more and, controversial. Uh, drive more conflict, more controversial. Uh, I love number two. This is one that I've never really had to wrestle with. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Yeah. That's not one that, that doesn't keep me up at night, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, you're evolved in that way. I know a lot of workaholics through my connections to boring prestige careers and they uh, <laughs> will definitely be looking down the barrel of some of these regrets because they'll think, you know, I wish I'd memorized my children's names, for example, some of them might say, or I wish I um, hadn't let my first wife become a stranger to me because she was actually quite nice. Yeah. Or, you know, I wish I had not worried so much about getting a third holiday home. But, you know, that's <laughs> who's to say, who's to say they might not have equal and opposite regrets if they hadn't done all those things. I think, um, I think you do have to take these things with a grain of salt in a way, which is why I am working on my my book, The Seven Mistakes of the Dying, is because people will say, oh, you've got to live every day like it's your last. And I think, well, yeah, I would wake up uh, with diabetes and an empty bank account if I did that. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to do that. Um, I mean, I take do the you point. Wanna? But every, every time I give in to the present, it's to do something that is – that is harmful to my best interests. So if I was to do that all the, all the time, I know that thing wrecked. about living every day, living every day like it's your last. Yeah, I mean, you would do you would do things that you then that there were no consequences for. Mm. Surely that's what I that's what I always thought. I just yeah. thought I, I always thought the same. I always thought the same thing. Murderous rampage. Yeah, that's, exactly. I would go and uh, you just know go, go down and your get list my hands of people you hate. And yeah, get and get some high pow- get some high powered weaponry. <laughs> and I don't think that's a good way to spend any day. No, so don't spend every day. Yeah, like it's your last. Live every day like it's your your second last, maybe at at worst. <laughs> <laughs> and John, that was my bit that I had at the start. And <laughs> I don't. <laughs> You're really uh, muscling it along. All right, let me pick up the slack here. <laughs> yes, please. And take us into the next bit. But thank you to Al and everyone for that first bit of the show. Now, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Colin, who I know put a lot of thank work. Thank you, Colin, the up. producer. Yeah, you know, um, Colin, I'm going to have that. to reprimand Colin for not giving... <laughs> Me a good enough segue. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing fucking he's here. Just, he just wrote, he's just sent me a message on Slack from the control booth where he's just said, throw to John's bit. <laughs> to John's I'm going, this is not what we pay you for, Colin. Yeah, exactly. It's written ask John, it just says, ask John what he's done for the week. <laughs> in, ask John what he's done for the podcast this week. <laughs> Colin's notes. Colin's notes. Just say, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. By Alexander Holland. <laughs> so I <clears throat> have been YouTubing as I do every single day of my life, Al. John, and what have YouTubed? Yeah, there we go. We've we've been doing dipping in and out of the what have YouTubed segment, and I got news for you, Al. Psychopathy is in. Uh, for a while now, <laughs> I've been looking at 
uh, I suppose I'm, I suppose this might have been served to me because I have an interest in true crime. I have an interest in psychology, sometimes forensic psychology, etc. And recently, I was presented by the all-knowing Algo with yeah. a YouTube account called Psychopathy Is, which is one word, and the bio or description for that account says an organization dedicated to alleviating the suffering caused by psychopathy and other disorders of aggression so it's a it's a kind of psychopathy advocacy and support network i guess such as one might see for arguably more benign psychological conditions like i don't know adhd or ocd or something and psychopathy as in Psychopaths. Psychopaths, exactly. People who are diagnosed as being psychopaths or sometimes it's, I think it's pretty much synonymous with uh, being sociopathic. And uh, look, I want to make clear that I've got no issue with that goal whatsoever. I think the the suffering of psychopaths should be alleviated <laughs> and those with other disorders of aggression. But I, I nonetheless found it very interesting and kind of darkly funny, so much so that initially I, I sent it around to a few people and said, do you think this is a satire account? Because I was genuinely unsure. And, you know, I sent it to my brother, Dargle, who's a psychiatrist, and we had a yeah. chat about it. Because there's always been this kind of interesting divide between, I guess, kind of a moral and a therapeutic lens So there's this sort of, you know, there's a point where human behavior that is aberrant in some way strays into territory where we're not prepared to just describe somebody as having an illness. We might accept that they do, but we also want to retain moral judgment and say that they're behaving in a way which is unacceptable or evil or something like that, right? Yeah. And so I've, and and I experienced this a lot in my work as a lawyer or have over the years because you know, I've done a bit of criminal law or a bit of representation of people who've broken the law in various ways. So you get this kind of attempt to put a therapeutic lens on things and at the same time the law is trying to define people as having broken the, you know, broken the social compact in various ways and done things that are bad. And psychopathy is is kind of a leap into pushing that boundary a bit further than I've seen it pushed before, which really I found very interesting and I don't know, I guess it sort of felt like we'd arrived at this historical moment where we were trying to shoehorn in what is kind of quite disturbing (laughs) conduct into this world of pretty familiar online world of sort of feel good, upbeat therapy speak. And I shared with you uh, when I'd first started going through their content a brief voicemail, I think, which was just recording my initial reaction to it. But I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So the whole, first of all, the whole vibe of the page is very sort of cuddly and positive. And, you know, there's these well-produced videos with um, experts, but also with people who are psychopaths and they talk about what it's like. So for example, they have this one woman whose name is Emmy Thomas. She's written a book called Confessions of a Psychopath, A A Life Hiding in Plain Sight. And she appears on Psychopathy Is in a segment called Ask a Psychopath. 
And so you click on it and it's got this kind of, you know, it's very well lit. It's very sort of, it's slightly kind of soft focus lens. It's got her sitting in an office because I think she's a lawyer, unsurprisingly, like most (laughs) psychopaths who are gainfully employed. And, uh, And it says, for example, it's got like a blank screen with white text on it and then it cuts to her. And the, you know, the white text will be a question and then she will be interviewed answering that question. Pretty common format. So it says, you know, what are some of the things that you have done? And and then she just starts answering that question. But you're kind of listening and it, you've got this dink, 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 sort of j- jangly music in the background. And she starts. Yeah, classic, classic YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Free, 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 upbeat. Yeah, that's right. Copyright free, upbeat YouTube. Free, upbeat Ukulele music. music. That's exactly it. And then, and it's quite all very slickly produced. And then she starts talking about like some of the stuff that she's done. And of course she's talking about it because she's a psychopath in a completely kind of calm and forthright way because she she doesn't feel ashamed of it. I mean, that's the whole thing. So she's talking, for example, about the fact that she was going to be teaching swimming lessons in this pool. And when she went to the pool a bit early, she noticed that there was a possum or an opossum, I think they're called in the US, and it yeah. was a baby possum and it was drowning in the pool or it had become stranded in the pool. So she starts uh, spraying it with a hose in an attempt to snuff it out basically because she's like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get it out of the pool because uh, they're a pest and, you know, I had this swimming lesson. I just didn't want to deal with it. So I thought, well, I'll just kill it and then yeah, I'll just get it out of the pool and I'll have my, then I'll have my, uh, my swimming lesson. Then she goes on to talk about this thing where she's, you know, when she was a kid and and she's watching this show and there was a disabled child on the show and she said something very mocking and cruel and her family <laughs> were just like horrified and her dad said, don't, why don't you have any empathy? And she asked with genuine curiosity, like, what, what do you mean by that? What is empathy? And then she starts talking about, you know, this friend of hers whose father was was unwell and she was really upset and she said you know, I just, she's kind of saying matter-of-factly. And for me, I guess uh, crying, it's just annoying and manipulative. So I said to this friend, look, I can't be around you if you're going to be upset. And uh, we kind of stopped being friends after that. And you're just listening to it going like, Jesus Christ, this is so dark. <laughs> and uh, and so it's kind of, I don't know, it's just fascinating because you're listening to people who are, who are I mean, they're, you know, they're, the whole nature of their, issue is that they're prone to doing like pretty dark fucked up stuff and she struck me as somebody who i don't know in the wrong circumstances could probably kill someone who she thought might have wronged her or whatever (laughs) but then she's kind of cheerily talking about this condition and you know how she moves through life and it all started because she was having she became friends with a colleague at this law firm and they had a bunch of conversations over a period of a few weeks and then this friend of hers said I think you should get tested for sociopathy because I think you're, I think you're a psycho. And she was just like, I mean, if she reacted just by saying, oh yeah, maybe you're right. And then sort of did these tests and I don't know, went to the psych and they diagnosed her. So yeah, it's a fascinating little corner of YouTube because as I say, it really toes the line between stuff that, you know, it's, it's really trying to kind of transpose this culture of 
jangly, sympathetic, upbeat, yeah. positive sort of mental health therapy speak sort of world into some very dark and disturbing <laughs> territory. She's just, ja- she's just, you know, in a in a kind of merry way talking about these horrible things that she's done, and you're like, oh, yeah. man, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, it's presented, it's presented through that same kind of modern online community support lens as mm. you might find, for example, if there was a community on YouTube with eczema or irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Ex- except neither <laughs> of those conditions would render anybody mm. like socially irredeemable yeah. or somebody who should, be fe- who should be feared. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, and it's uh, another one that I've just remembered just talking about. I lived in this apartment and then there were these people who had these bicycles across the way and the bicycles didn't seem to be used very often. And my friend came around, she was visiting for the weekend. So we just nicked their bikes and went down. <laughs> we went out for the day. And came back and then the neighbours were like, did you take our bikes? And she was like, yeah. Uh, just like not realising that they might be upset. And, that, you know, she'd done something wrong. She was like, well, they were there and uh, I'm a psychopath, so what do I care? Man, I wonder what she was doing in the office that made a colleague go, "Yeah, you might want to get that checked out because <laughs> you seem Can we- a little bit extra cunty. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I don't know. You'd, it'd have to be fairly prominent because I've worked in some law firms and the, <laughs> the bar, this, the kind of low empathy bar is pretty high for you to go, <laughs> for somebody to go, you're either a high functioning lawyer or you're a high functioning sociopath. That's a, it's a fine balance. The, I mean, the other one I think about, the other one that's very tricky as well is, is when 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 i guess experts say that pedophiles should have a certain amount of empathy given yeah. to them as well it sort yeah. of seems to be i mean uh, it doesn't give you the quite the same amount of icky feeling mm. but at the same time it, it is one of those it is sort of straying into that territory where yeah. you go is it my responsibility yeah, to yeah, exactly. try and understand and then you think this? well what uh, where will we, I mean, will we reach a point, maybe we should, where we just see all of that through a kind of therapeutic lens, but then you think, well, a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with just reducing that space for moral condemnation down to a uh, a, a sort of infinitesimally small point where you're saying, well, I'll, uh, I'll accept that, you know, Hitler had attachment issues. Um <laughs> And paranoia, but it doesn't do any good to say that he was a bad person because yeah. he was just he was just operating within the psychological constraints that he had, as we all are. Yeah, um, maybe maybe if he had had boundaries mm. explained to him, mm. uh, and perhaps if somebody had said, "Look, it's fine to live your truth, and it's fine to be in your power," yeah, and it's it's fine to be trying to live in alignment with your purpose. Yeah. But that that can't come at I mean, the he expense. Did, he did try to do that, but his purpose was just one of the most fucked purposes in human history. <laughs> uh, so it's a tricky one. Yeah, exactly. Bound, other people's boundaries versus him living his truth. Mm. 
Yeah. I think we should call this episode Dying Hitler and <laughs> Pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> this one this one is gonna be there's gonna be a lot of me having to blank out. I'm gonna put these clips on TikTok and it's just gonna be <laughs> the word and and if that will sort of pop <laughs> pop through the bits that I've had to 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 censor. Yeah. Uh man it's crazy dropped. if you <clears throat> have you noticed on on YouTube, even YouTube now, how the the list of words that you can't say that will trigger mm. there's some really benign expressions. I watched a video yesterday that was about that was about uh a former YouTube star mm-hmm. who had then done some questionable things right. and it all, it all came out. And yep. then uh, so the, the person was doing a bit of a, a video on the history of this YouTuber. Mm. And the YouTuber was trying to say that the, the, there, was, there was some issues around bulimia and he couldn't say bulimia. So he was oh. so odd that he was trying to explain, yeah, because bulimia – is famously one of the the online influences that has become. If you go to if you look up any hearing, yep. on the you know I think there was another congressional hearing this week where they dragged uh, the social media CEOs in front yeah. of Congress, and then so sort of Congress said, "You're making life terrible for our kids." Yeah, and bulimia is always a big one because that was always a thing on Tumblr back in the day. And you then, know, girls would be saying, oh, bulimia is really awesome. Yeah, okay. And, and so... And now they've just said, well, the simplest way to deal with that is to make it a kind of uh, word that gets you kicked off the app or, or means that you don't get upvoted or whatever. Algorithm exactly. won't present you to as many people. Yeah. So mm. it was this weird thing where he was trying to... He was just trying to explain what this person... What what was happening in this person's life? Yeah, and every everything he said, he couldn't say. So he couldn't strange. say sexual violence. He couldn't yep. say bulimia. Mm. Uh, and it, it, was, it was interesting seeing the techniques people are using now to communicate what they're so that you as the viewer know, but the yeah. but the robots the robots don't. That's so crazy. what he was doing for any of the for any of the sound heads out there yeah this is he was doing something that i hadn't seen before or heard before mm. typically we're familiar with uh sense somebody censoring something on television with the beep yeah. you swear <laughs> what this guy was doing was he was putting a a, a low pass filter over his voice so it would just and then the word on the screen would go blurry. Oh. So he would say, for example, it's like it, one of those it, "Are you a robot?" tests, really, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Exactly like it that. is because you, as the you as the viewer, know exactly mm. what is being said. Mm. But it, it but it's obfuscated enough that the robots at the moment yeah. don't know what it is. But yeah, he'd say, "Oh, the person was a victim of," mm. and they also, you know, this That's caused so them to fall into the the online trap of uh of yeah and then uh, and then uh but yeah you as the viewer know exactly yeah. what's going on but it's crazy i mean you know i've spoken to you that we've been putting some stuff on social media yeah in the last couple of months and it has been it has been quite shocking to see yeah just how benign some of the things that you say are yeah and they just go nah well it's obviously just straight in the bin very inflexible and i i wouldn't have believed it it all sounded a bit kind of you know hypothetical to me 
but when you look at the views and you go, oh, that's the real where we talk, where we made a joke about someone by comparing them to Epstein or something. Yeah. And then the, the video, that video for just for the listeners, the only thing that's in it is it just says, it says Epstein, Ghislaine, mm-hmm. and Woody Allen. Mm. That was all. Yeah. And then, uh, then YouTube said, no, thanks. We don't want that kind of content. Yeah. Now, how am TikTok. I? <laughs> supposed to talk about anything important on your platform because I wanted to talk about the cabal involving those three people. But now Yeah. Imagine if you had a fuck it'd be hard to get any traction if you had an Epstein podcast mm. that was like three hundred episodes deep and you were trying to grow on social media. Yeah. You'd have to call him you'd have to just do the reverse oh. of his name. Can I, can you spell can you just spell these things? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Probably mm. not, because mm. I think it would see the letters. Yeah, and it would go. We'll that's just stick that. them together. It's getting. They're getting so smart. Yeah, the robots. Maybe the you robots could misspell it in a way that other people still knew what you that's, meant. That is what people do. I mean, famously, people are saying on. I saw this years. I saw this a couple of years ago on TikTok. People say corn instead of porn because oh. people want to talk about porn. So yeah. everybody knows now to say corn because. Mm. Presumably, TikTok doesn't want to ban any video. You know, the 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 Corn Farmers Union of the United States <laughs> needs to be able to put their videos on social media. Yeah. They're a big, they're you know, they have a lot of power. The corn lobby, so sure. they don't want no discussion of corn. So yeah. people just say, "I had a corn addiction" and stuff like this. Wow. Although for a lot of people, that is a Venn diagram that overlaps. They're addicted to porn and corn syrup, and yeah, and high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> That's right. My life is ruined because I'm just consuming corn syrup and porn. Uh, John, I've got something that you're really going to love and I want to ask you the question. Are you ready for it? Yes. So, John, when you're thinking about your brain and how it makes you want to be lazy, don't worry. I can tell you right now that your brain wants you to be lazy mm. and I'm going to help you understand why it does that Okay, and what you can do about oh. it. Dutchie's Hot Tips. Like does, Dutchie's Hot Tips. Does that sound like something you'd be interested in or we can just end the show? Right yeah, now? I can't be fucked. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that to prove your point. So I started, I started thinking about this last week because I was hanging out my laundry. Yeah. I can see my beautiful laundry rack to the right of me here that I have to move off screen before every recording. And I was hanging out one of my running tops Mm. and I was being particularly mindful this day as I hung out my clothing. I was paying attention to Mm. my thoughts as I was hanging it out. And I noticed this particular time, even though I often don't notice, that one of my tops, one of my running tops that I was hanging out to dry, it was inside out, Mm -hmm. right? And as I was putting it on the rack inside out, this tiny part of my brain (laughs) went, this is being lazy. Don't put it on the rack to dry while it's inside out because once it's dry and you take it off the rack, Mm -hmm. you're just going to have to put it the right way out anyway at some point. At some point when you want to wear this, it's going to have to be the right way out. Yeah. Why don't you just do that? Now and mm. then, I could feel this other little part of my brain going, "No, no don't, don't, worry about it. don't, don't worry about it. It's gonna take 
the clothes are probably a bit damp and it's going to take way longer. Just put it on inside out <laughs> and just great. deal with that It's very interesting later. that you notice that because I would say I experience those moments so frequently, but they're sort yes. of, they sort of fly you under the radar of my consciousness where you go. They're so ambient. It's yeah. like 90% of your mind is occupied with something else. Yeah. And but you do, f- it's almost like a mosquito at yeah. the back of your brain yeah. that goes, you're being lazy, but it's so small that you go, well, I don't know. I don't really understand what's going on there. I'm just going to put some later. Yeah. And then sure enough, the next day <laughs> when you go to get your clothes, you go, okay, I'm going to fold all the laundry now. And everything that you went to dry yeah. is inside out. And yeah. You just have to put it the right way out. And then that <laughs> time you just go, oh, I've just put this off. I could have just done this yesterday. And now yeah. folding the laundry would be much more enjoyable. But instead of a basic laundry fold. This has turned into a big old game of insidey outsidey, <laughs> and I'm having a terrible day. Yeah, and so it, you pick up the phone. You say, "I, I can't talk now. I'm fucking, I got half tangled in my singlet because <laughs> I can't find the inside of it." And it just, it just made me think: Why did I? Why do I have that? Feeling, and it made me think of a few articles that I'd read on the on the internet lady and uh, on the inter- on the internet lately. Yeah, and uh, I did so I did a little bit of research, mm-hmm. and scientists think that this might be because of something called the law of least effort, mm. which coincidentally is the style of law that John practices. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this apparently is an, it could be an evolutionary adaptation that helped us survive when food and energy was more scarce. Yeah. We need to conserve energy just by chilling out heaps. Mm. Um, So it's based on that principle. In a 2018 study I read from the University Hospitals of Geneva in Switzerland concluded that when people were given the choice of engaging in physical activity or doing nothing, it takes the brain considerably more effort to its escape its tendency to put in less mm. effort. Yeah. And in hunter-gatherer times, conserving energy was obviously really important when we were trying to search for food, yeah. when we were fighting rivals and things like this. Sure. But like everything with our old school modern hardware, this was helpful 200,000 years ago. Yeah. But it's becoming a problem now as mm. we begin to live more sedentary lifestyles yeah i guess the um i guess the the good thing about you know a lifestyle that would have prevailed for most of human history was that you could have a pretty robust drive to do nothing but it was probably overburdened overwhelmed by countervailing necessity like you'd be like exactly i don't really want to do this but if i don't i'll starve so i guess i'll do it and now we just say, I don't really want to do this. And someone says, don't worry, just pay us some money and we can do it. And you <laughs> That's can right. sit there like a slob. Yeah, we'll bring you the food yeah. to your mouth. It's funny. I was talking to some people the other day about when I worked on an inquiry into a casino and I had to do all this research about the neuroscience behind gambling, mm. and which apparently is also based on drives that would have been helpful at points in human history but are no longer helpful like the the taking of risks and the um, yeah. you know the kind of pursuit of a particular payoff through the uh, taking of those risks and variation and novelty being stimulating and now of course we've got 
phones that are just kind of seizing on those drives and and distorting them for commercial ends as well as plenty of technology that's geared towards encouraging us to be as lazy as possible and i think to myself well i'm just one man why don't i just enjoy what little time i have on this earth by giving in to all of those urges <laughs> i love i love gambling on phones i just yeah. think that's just like when i see when i when i hear about being able to just gamble on the cursed rectangle yeah, you just are on your couch and you just evil. go you just pull out the cursed rect by the way i'm switching poison rectangle to cursed rectangle, cursed rectangle. This, this week mm. because because cursed suggests that it has the the promise of something positive mm. but hiding in the background mm. is something dark whereas poison which i've traditionally called the phone it just suggests that it might all be bad so yeah. you cursed yeah that's for anybody nice. out there if you've if you want to, if you've been using Poison Rectangle, I suggest switch it to Cursed, yeah. the Cursed Rectangle for the mobile phone. But yeah, you're in, you're on the couch and you just pull out your mobile phone. You go, oh, I want to bet on the horsies. Yeah, and you start making your making your can't be fucked. Ma- getting into my Tarakash suit and going all the way to Flemington Racecourse. I can't be fucked having to walk to the pub to be able to put a bet on and lose my money. I can do it on the toilet. Mm, exactly. <laughs> speaking of conserving, speaking yeah. of conserving energy. I love that. Yeah, so this I'd is- love just having one tab. That's the tab, T-A-B, which is the betting uh, platform in Australia. And the other one is Uber Eats. And I just am having a great <laughs> old Sunday. Um, I don't we have, have to, have to um, Me and John, speaking of the physical activity paradox me and john have a bit of an idea we want to take uber eats to the next level Mm. because a bit of a running theme on the show (laughs) even since we started i think it was ages ago is is the act of bit of (laughs) eat this is quite an odd thing to claim is a theme on the show (laughs) me and john are very into the act of being able to consume food without having to use your hands this is something (laughs) true this is something that me and John have always been fascinated by is can is e- eating without having to use your hands. Essentially being fed yeah. is essentially just as a like a just as a nice kind of um microcosm for humanity's decline. <laughs> just the image of someone eating without moving their arms or hands. <laughs> and yeah, so we need to come up with a title, but some kind of app called like Uber Feeds. Yeah. And it's just the extra service that you tick the box and the person, instead of instead of leaving the food with you at your door, <laughs> you leave the door unlocked. Yeah. And then they come in. Yeah. And they just, and you're on the couch uh, and then they <laughs> kneel down beside you and they pop a little pair of rubber gloves on. Yeah. And they say, what would you like to begin with, sir? <laughs> and you go, uh, chana masala. <laughs> and they just pull out. <laughs> <laughs> they go very good, sir, and they pull out the little tub of delicious Indian chana masala, and they just go, "Is this an? Is this about right for a mouthful for you?" And you go, "We can put a bit more on the spoon, actually." <laughs> one of my favourite things mama, that you, mama. one of the, my favourite bits that you've ever done on the show is when we described. Having like a, I think it was essentially the idea was to have a flying Ronald McDonald uh, that just secreted 
the <laughs> the elements of your meal through its bodily parts and into your mouth. <laughs> drone, getting it droned. Yeah. And yeah, then just getting get- getting food droned right and sprayed into your mouth <laughs> as a paste. <laughs> you don't even have to chew. Uh one so one researcher on the Geneva team, Matthew Boys Gontier, explained why evolution preferred the easy way out. Conserving energy has been essential for human survival as it allowed us to be more efficient searching for food and shelter, competing for sexual partners, and avoiding predators. The failure of public policies to counteract the pandemic of physical inactivity may be due to brain processes that have been developed and reinforced mm. across evolution. So what can we do, John, our brains are saying, just lay on the couch. Don't do anything hard because yeah. you need to conserve that energy. But we know we live in a world where we're not having to worry about saber-toothed tigers yeah. killing us. Well, or we, uh, my, I don't. Maybe. Yeah, no. In Australia, I think there are a few. <laughs> there are a few things you need to worry about, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> most of them can't chase you down the hall. So it's it's okay to be fairly lazy. Al, I think that and i've made no secret of this in conversations with you and others but i haven't said it on the podcast yet i'm an extreme libertarian and that's because (laughs) in my humble opinion the welfare state just treats us all like babies and allows us to indulge that impulse towards laziness whereas if we had to survive in the roughshod dog-eat-dog world that nature intended we live in we'd be a lot better for it there's no welfare state in nature, exactly. as John always. John starts every, every email to me with. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bumper sticker that says that. Sends me, he just sends me images of lions eating zebra mm. and saying, there's no welfare state in nature. So look how honest this is. It's just <laughs> the strong surviving. Why don't we do that? So apparently there's a few things we can do. I was reading an article from a woman named Bronwyn Powell, who published on Medium, and she was giving three things that you can do to fight back yeah. against the physical activity paradox mm-hmm. or the law of least effort. Number one, she was suggesting you can you can talk to yourself in a in a more positive way. And she was suggesting, I think this comes from either maybe it's from Cal Newport, one oh, yeah. of the one of the famous productivity writers, or mm. um, or it might have been the guy who wrote The Five Minute Career. Uh, by Cal Newport. <laughs> yeah. This is <laughs> the four second work week. Hmm. First, the four second work day by Tim Ferriss. <laughs> uh, you can change, you can change that kind of language in your brain, which beats you down. It might say, Oh, I have to answer emails from work. Yeah. Oh, I have to clean my house. Oh, I have to do this. And you're supposed to say, I get to answer emails from work. Mm. I get. To clean. So it's a kind of a bit of a gratitude reframe. Yeah. Switch around. Yeah. Okay. Because again, again, if I even call, do a bit of a callback to the to the regrets of the of the dying. If you were on your deathbed, you'd give anything to be able to answer email. Yeah. From to live a life where you could be very present and something. I'd be like, if I was dying and they said you get to live one more day, but you have to <laughs> wash your sheets and then put them back on your bed. I'd go, uh, no, I just, I'm Is finished. Good, good night, nurse. <laughs> Number two, find your why. 
Uh-huh. Ask when times get hard, you have to ask yourself why. Why am I? Why at, for uh, me? Why I was I confused because why am I? Why am I putting the running top the right way out <laughs> as I hang it yeah. on the line? Yeah, and then so you have to go through that. What is your motivation for putting in the work? Are you happy with things the way they are right now? Mm. So I guess I'm going. I'm not. I'm not happy with this top being inside out. <laughs> it's making me irritated. Yeah, because it's going to ruin my folding process. It's I mean, ruin my folding. And I've heard about. I've heard about also things like, you know, pairing an undesirable activity with a, an activity that you're incentivized to do. So you say, "Yeah, well, that's I'll it. be on the treadmill, but I, I can watch my favorite episode of." Um, third Rock from the Sun, for example, or that's right. uh, the the Big Bang Theory, or Young that's Sheldon. A... <laughs> Whenever I'm with Sheldon, I have the motivation to do. <laughs> I tell you what, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd get on well with a person who used who who, who used, used Sheldon, Sheldon, who needed Sheldon for motivation. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Sheldon could be. Uh, if somebody said to me, "You don't need to be around Big Bang Theory if you'll." If you'll just yeah, clean the flat. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe if you don't do this, you have to sit and watch an episode of Young Sheldon and then I'd be <laughs> I'd be running laps. <laughs> I think that's a uh I think that's an atomic habits James Clearism, John, oh, that you might go. be speaking of there. We should do a whole episode on hacks productive the productive man- manosphere. Mm. So I was, I have a bit of a bit that I'm going to do at the beginning of one of these shows where I'm going to go through all the weird shit that I do. And then I'm going to act. It's, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about sometimes when I do my morning routine, when I actually began to think about it, yeah, I could identify a different man from the manosphere that had suggested everything. <laughs> so, so from waking up early to taking cold showers to journaling yeah. to meditating, mm. they all have a different man yeah. attributed attributed to them who is who who's known for that. And because you've just you you've just given that something that's very James Clearism from whim to willink. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I should do that. I should synthesize all of them into a book from whim to willink. Alex's Alex's hard men. <laughs> And how how Alex is how hard men can help you? <laughs> how hard men can help you? <laughs> uh, and then number three was just uh, she's titled "How to Eat an Elephant Bit by Bit, mm. Day by Day." So the idea here being that rather than being overwhelmed by a t- by a task that seems too big, and you just you, it just forces you into inactivity because oh, I can't. Get started learning a language because that's going to take fucking years. Yeah. So what you do is you say, don't focus on the giant goal. Focus on the small steps. That's what we do on this, po- on this very podcast. What's that? That's what we do with the podcast. If you said to me that's three years ago, make the best <laughs> podcast going around. For three years. Uh, for three. And when I said to you, let's do it, let's do three. <laughs> when I said to you, John, even though I've never talked about doing a podcast with you, let's start one today and yeah. make it go for three years. Yeah, I'd say, oh, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you do a little bit each day. You learn the art of the craft of mic, uh, plosives. Mic, mic plosives. You learn about M audios. You learn about, <laughs> <laughs> you learn about right, Zencaster. You learn- 
you learn about Zencaster, you learn about Shure, SM. Yeah. Which ones are these? The 60. You learn about Sennheiser 25s. And you're there. You learn about Sennheiser HD 25s. And then then you're there. The other thing, of course, is just habit. I mean, I wouldn't go to the gym if I had to sort of sit there and think, shall I go to the gym? Because the answer is always going to be no. So Exactly. The The gym is one they use as a – I had that actually in my notes. The Mm. gym is apparently the reason I have here, John. Sorry to interrupt, but the reason I have is apparently signing up for a gym membership is – and then not going is a conflict between reason-based knowledge because you know the benefit – of working out will give you, you know, the benefits that working out will give you. Yeah. But this comes into conflict with the automatic system, which says, wait a minute, let's imagine for a second the physical pain that we're going to experience. Mm. Let's focus on how long it's an arduous is going to take to even get to the gym. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I mean, you know look, that a, you're a gym man. I'm a gym man, but I'm also a nihilist. And I think that it's important when you're weighing these things up to know that. No matter what you do and how much you improve yourself, soon our lives will be over and it won't have mattered. So if you really That's do true. want to finish that I pack like of that. Doritos, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to end this bit, John. And I'm going to say also, it's a great way. I do have a little joke I'm going to do to end the show, but I do have to run off and do my little jog this morning. But I thought, if you wouldn't mind, that I would give you a funny joke to... See off the show this week. So yeah. it's uh, this. So I'm going to ask you a question, John. It's like a what do you call a what do you call a joke? Okay. Mm. <clears throat> so John, what do you call an Italian grandmother who's not open to discussion or reconsideration? <laughs> do you know? Uh, do you know what you call an Italian grandmother who's not open to discussion or reconsideration? Mm, it's a non something non negotiable. Yeah. There you go. Well oh, done. Yes. Yeah, non a non a negotiable. <laughs> what a great show everybody (laughs) and what a great joke (laughs) i don't want to say all those with italian heritage give your non-negotiable extra tight squeeze this weekend uh because (laughs) because she loves you very much and she's made you a big old plate of ravioli john do you want to say anything before (laughs) I want to say, if you've got a nonna, go and spare, send it to my place because I would love to really know how to make that sauce each year. I'd love to know how to make really top-notch gnocchi. So um, send your non-negotiable round to, <laughs> round to me in Brunswick. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, everybody. Episode 148. Of Don't Praise the Machine, don't forget to check us out on YouTube and sign up for the newsletter because John is going to be sending the first ever newsletter out in the next few days. And you're not going to want to miss that. So you're no. going to want to go to dptm.org right now if you haven't signed up already. I can tell you a lot of people have. Mm. We managed to get quite a decent chunk of right. signups That's over excellent. our campaign over the last few weeks. You're not going to want to mm. miss the value that John is adding. So if you haven't signed up yet, dptm.org. Pop your email. It takes a sec. There. It only takes a sec. Thank you so much, everybody. My name's been Alexander Holland. This has been Don't 
praise the machine. It's been a great podcast. And we can't wait to see you next week. Uh, 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 the podcast. <laughs>